Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to another episode of the Wrestling vs. the World podcast. So, this... Oh, I'm gonna love talking about this because wrestling fans do not know the meaning of this fucking word. You all know what the meaning of the term buried is? I'm sure a lot of y'all don't because there are so many of you out there in the wrestling community that throw this word around so often that it has completely lost meaning. Just like the term literally. Levy. <coughs> anyway... Let me read you all what the definition is, put in layman's terms, and I'll give some actual examples of what burials in wrestling really are. To quote from Wikipedia, from a from the page called Glossary of Professional Wrestling Terms, it says the word lowering slash relegation of wrestler status in the eyes of the fans. The opposite of a push is the act of a promoter or booker causing a wrestler to lose popularity and or credibility or damaging their gimmick through means such as forcing them to lose in squash matches, losing continuously, allowing opponents to no-sell or kick out of their finisher, or forcing them to participate in unentertaining or degrading storylines, or not using them at all. A burial is often used as a, as a form of punishment due to real-life backstage disagreements between the wrestler and the booker, a wrestler falling out of favor with a company, or sometimes to demote an unpopular performer or gimmick. Now, here's the thing though, a lot of wrestling fans don't understand that because they will declare anything as a burial. If you want a prime example, look at Finn Balor's run on the main roster. You go and watch any video on WWE's YouTube channel that involves Finn Balor either just getting attacked or even losing any match on Raw, the dislikes are insurmountable and the comments are people just losing their shit. Where they're saying, even if he loses any match, oh, he's buried, he's being wasted, he needs to leave WWE. Y'all think one loss is the end of the world. One loss does not mean their career is over and that they need to leave WWE and they're being wasted and all that shit. Not every wrestler can win every match. Like, to put this in layman's terms, that means they... The term burial pretty much means that the company is booking somebody in a way to make you think less of a wrestler, make you care less about them, or any of that shit. That's the way what a burial truly is. And I've got some examples from stuff that I have looked at over the years. Alright, let me give you guys some examples and some evidence to back it up. First off, DDP in 2001. He went from being multiple-time WCW champion, one of the most over guys from WCW to then coming over to WWE as the stalker of the Undertaker's wife to say that, oh, it was part of a way to just play head games with the Undertaker and he wants to be made famous. Then suddenly he's lusting for Sarah for real, well, storyline slash kayfabe, to the point where he's just constantly getting his ass kicked. Because, like, Undertaker just beat him, like, mercilessly at King of the Ring. I don't think DDP really got much of any offense in that that fight at King of the Ring. He got defeated mercilessly by the Bros of Destruction SummerSlam, and then the next night, he lost a match to Sarah, who's not even trying to wrestle. Then after being off for a bit, he did the whole positively page gimmick, that whole, like, motivational speaker who's smiling all the time. That's complete downfall. He went from world champion to being a guy who was just getting his ass kicked constantly by The Undertaker and even had a pinfall loss to Undertaker's then-wife. That's a pretty big fall slash burial, because really, who's going to take a guy seriously when he's just always losing and then loses to a non-wrestler like that? Second example. This one I go to all the time because it is the perfect example. 
Travel Guerrero in 2009. We remember that awful feud that he had with Hornswoggle, right? Yeah, I probably just reminded about 50% of the people maybe listening to this that wanted to forget about that feud. That feud just happened out of nowhere. I believe it happened right after Vicky took some time off from WWE to focus on her family. She she lost that hog pen match at Extreme Rules. She Edge divorced her in storyline, and she disappeared for a while. So then after this, they suddenly decide to put Chavo in this feud with Hornswoggle. And this entire feud, Chavo could never defeat Hornswoggle one-on-one. Hornswoggle was probably much like half of Chavo's height, maybe at around-ish there. And yet he was constantly being humiliated in these one-on-one matches to a guy half his height. I think like the first match was like on Superstars where Vince told him, Oh, you guys are running around in my office and I don't like it. So therefore you two are going to have a match. And it was like the rules that Chavo had to wrestle Chavo or Hornswoggle, but he had to be on his knees the entire time. And then when the referee wasn't looking, he would get up and then just start stomping away at Hornswoggle. Yeah, Hornswoggle still won. Then he lost like a false count anywhere match on Raw after getting a fi- uh, paint can to the face. And you saw Macaulay Culkin around there. He lost a tuxedo match where his pant legs were sewn together. He lost a freaking, I think like a bull roll match or something where he was dressed in a cow suit. Even Cedric the Entertainer freaking made mention of it. Like, there was one, like, this was back when they had the whole Raw GM guest host era. And Cedric the Entertainer brought up the fact, like, oh, he's constantly losing a horse swallow. Oh, well, it's not like he's really losing to that guy. And then he looked at him, he's like, oh. You realize, yeah, he really is constantly losing a horse swallow. Like, can it. it I think there was even one promo where, after a match, Chavo just admitted defeat to Hornswoggle. He's like, I've had enough! You win! You win! Like, he admitted defeat to a guy half his height. And it's like, who can take a guy seriously when he's constantly losing to a little guy like that? Can't even defeat him one-on-one. This guy's a former Cruiserweight champion. He was ECW champion prior to this. Multiple-time tag team champion. And yet, he's constantly losing every one-on-one match that he has to a guy half of his height, being humiliated in all these different gimmick matches and even admitting defeat like Chavo Guerrero's career never really recovered after this like the only things he did was maybe the brief tag team run or whatever he had with Hernandez and Impact and the stuff in Lucha Underground but name one significant thing he did in WWE after this because you're not going to be able to because he did nothing this really messed him up and I I don't get what happened what caused WWE to decide to put him into this whole feud because it was absolutely stupid Third example, Scott Steiner in 2000 when he came into back to WWE. Started off hot, Survivor Series, threw around Christopher Nowinski, Matt Hardy, give me a fucking mic! And immediately got thrusted into a world title feud against Triple H. But the problem was, both matches the Royal Rumble and even the rematch at No Way Out were absolutely awful, especially the Royal Rumble match where he did nine belly-to-belly suplexes in the match to the point where it was like he had no idea what to do. And after like the second belly-to-belly suplex, he fell over because he was tired. And, of course, drop foot syndrome, trying to do, like, a double underhook, like, slam or something like that, and he fell over. Then after this, like, he didn't even have a match at WrestleMania. He just started teaming with Test, and, like, having, like, a debate about the war and everything. Just, it's, like, feud over managerial rights of Stacy. Then he just started teaming again with Test. Then he was eliminating the Royal Rumble, did nothing. Like, really, like, he was a hot guy. One of the hottest guys you had in WCW. Remember him for his awesome, like, entertaining promos. One of the last WCW world champions. And then all of a sudden he comes to WWE, has awful matches, tag team with tests that nobody cared about, and stuff, like, involving Stacy, and that was it. He went from main event guy 
The guy who pretty much did nothing and had embarrassing matches. Definitely degraded him. Fourth example, this one I mentioned in the, kind of started alluding to in the episode about this man, Damian Sandow. When he became money, Mr. Money in the Bank, he ended up losing a lot of his matches. And then he cashed in, failed to defeat a one-armed John Cena, and then he just started doing this losing stuff all the time, dressing up all these different outfits like Davy Crockett or whatever, Magneto or whatever that superhero's name was with Hugh Jackman. Uh, he dressed like a ballerina, impersonated Vince. There's a lot of losing and pointlessly dressing up all these different characters where he was just humiliating himself, and it just went nowhere before he became Mizdow. Like, good lord. They, like, he even, he even just started dressing in all black. He lost his tights that were, like, pink or purple already had, so he lost his identity. He went from being Mr. Money in the Bank to just another guy on the roster that just kept losing. Had good done there. Another example also from around this time period, Dolph Ziggler. 2013, Mr. Money in the Bank cashed in, world champion. Then after he lost the world title, down he went. Because he couldn't regain the world title and Money in the Bank because AJ Lee got involved for disqualification. He won the feud in a tag match at SummerSlam, but then at Night of Champions, he was suddenly going then for the U.S. title. Failed to do that and just kept going on with a losing streak, I believe. If memory serves me right, I believe it was because, like, uh, remarks that Dolph Ziggler made in an interview about Randy Orton saying, like, oh, I could beat him in a fight. Next thing you know, he's booked like shit for the next year. Constantly losing matches and everything to the point where he does nothing. So it's like, it shows how fast he fell. He started off the year's Mr. Money in the Bank. By the end of the year, he was dead in the water. Uh, let's see. Another example. Drew McIntyre in 2011. After, like... I believe this, like, you look at 2010, he was the chosen one, Eric Connell champion, tag run with Cody Rhodes temporarily, his tag champions is known as the Dashing Ones. Then he tried to, by 2011, that's when things fell apart for him. Trying to get the affection of Kelly Kelly, like, he's used sparingly. He got drafted a Raw, I think he had, like, one or two televised matches. The next thing you know, he's in the Jabroni group, known as 3MB, where he's just like, oh, I'm a, one of the three-man band, bye-bye. And it just, like, it didn't lead to anything significant. Just being all goofy, like, yeah, we're part of a band, woohoo! It's like, he goes from being a serious guy whose character is being favored by the company, by the owner of the company, to a guy who's just losing a lot, trying to be goofy. And I believe, if memory serves me right, it probably has something to do with the domestic dispute issue that he had around the time he started teaming temporarily with Drew, uh, Cody Rhodes, that eventually led to his divorce with Tiffany. I think they had like a public dispute and a fight. And I think that maybe caused him to fall out of favors with the company. Because then... There's a snap. Boom. Down the card he goes. Another example. Booker T. 2003. Becomes winner of the Royal Rumble or Battle Royal and on Raw after No Way Out. Challenging for Triple H the world title. But then they just go off the rail right off the back because Booker T pretty much... You can consider it more of a burial in terms of words on the mic when Triple H came out talking about his, like, saying that guys like him don't get to be world champion, talking about his hair and saying, oh yeah, you're the WCW champion five times, but wasn't that title held by guys like David Arquette and Vince Russo? So they, and like, Booker T pretty much took all the verbal abuse that Triple H gave him, saying like, oh, dance for us, you're an entertainer, not a wrestler, you're here to make us laugh. So like, he didn't even verbally really treat Booker T like he was even a threat. He was like, oh, you're you're just an entertainer. Like, 
verbally he ran him down. Like, when you have these programs or whatever that are having for a pay-per-view, like a big match, like a world title match, you want to build up your opponent, treat him like they're a credible threat to where people can believe, hey, maybe this this guy's on this guy's radar. He might actually become the winner of their match coming at the pay-per-view. But Triple H didn't really do anything to verbally get Booker T over to make him feel like he was a legitimate threat to his world title. And then you look at WrestleMania... He freaking pedigreed him, took him over 20 seconds just to get the cover on him, and still pinned him. Like, we're in a day where pe- where people get pinned, get the cover right after a finisher, and they still kick out of a finisher. But you look at that one match, he took one pedigree over 20 seconds to get the cover, and he still cannot kick out. And then, like, two pay-per-views after, two or three pay-per-views after that, he's going for the Intercontinental Championship against Christian. So going for the world title to mid-card title. That's quite the fall. Uh, let's see. Chris Jericho, 2002. This one I remember. Uh, he started off the year as undisputed champion. Had matches with The Rock and Stone Cold for the first couple pay-per-views. And then Triple H wins the Royal Rumble match. They have their feud going into WrestleMania 18. And Chris Jericho pretty much became an afterthought in the feud because there's more focus on Triple H and Stephanie's divorce than there was on the fact that Triple H is facing Chris Jericho at WrestleMania. To the point where, for whatever reason... They tasked Chris Jericho to watch their dog. Like, how... You don't book a world champion to be the dog watcher of his eventual opponent at WrestleMania and his soon-to-be on-screen ex-wife. So then he he lost the world title at WrestleMania to Triple H. He didn't even have a match at Backlash. Lost the feud at Judgment Day to Triple H in the Hell in a Cell match. He lost the opening match at like this King of the King of the Ring semifinals at King of the Ring, like the opening match of the pay-per-view. Lost newcomer John Cena, the following pay-per-view at Vengeance, and John Cena's pay-per-view debut, the rookie. He lost Ric Flair at SummerSlam, and then by Unfor- before Unforgiven, he was Intercontinental Champion. So that like world champion, then just like it's like somebody threw him down a flight of stairs. And I'm not gonna bring up the whole Brock like meme again because that's got Matt Rill's face on it. I don't feel like re-editing that just yet. Uh, let's see. The Ascension. Remember them? Yeah, me neither. Like, they were like a hot tag team in NXT. Next thing you know, they come up to main roster saying like, Oh, we're better than all these tag teams. And right off the bat, they're doomed because then they get their ass kicked nonstop by all these tag teams. They had like one tag team victory, I remember, like over the New Age Outlaws at Royal Rumble 2015. And then they just literally do nothing after that. Like, I think they had a temporary team with Stardust, but really, they did nothing of significance. Just constant losses, just boom! Just constant losses where they meant nothing. Uh, even though this example that I'm about to give, this person has kind of recovered since then, but this example I can give. 2017 for Bailey. She was Raw Women's Champion, Wrestle- main event, or retained the championship at WrestleMania, but then she had the feud with Alexa Bliss. And they had the whole Bailey, this is your life segment. Where they're bringing up saying that, oh, you got her teacher, a guy she had a crush on, or a former best friend. Teacher saying that, oh, she would cry all the time. She wanted always wanted her dad to be there at school. A guy that she once liked saying that, yeah, we used to go on a, we went on our first date, but then her father had to come along, and I almost kissed him because he got in the way. Then her be- former female best friend saying, Oh, yeah, like, she just refused to hang out with us. She just wanted to stay home all the time, abandon her friends and all that. So you had a whole segment running down saying that people in her life were even shit-talking her. Saying that she, like, was emotionally bad. She had, like, 
a freaking award for best sportsmanship because she wasn't good at anything else. So it's like, it was like, this is your life, but instead of like entertaining or getting somebody over, it just had people bring up the truth about her saying that emotional problems, daddy's girl, like dad always had to be around. It was just sad. And then you even have the Singapore and Kane match at Extreme Rules where Alexa was put in a corner. Bailey had the cane. She's like, oh, I'm going to hit ya. But she just kept stalling for too long, almost like she had doubts. Like, oh, I don't know if I can. And by that point, Alexa already took the cane and beat the shit out of her. So it's like she could not even take a moment to beat this woman who humiliated her on TV with that This Is Your Life segment to enough to beat her with a cane, just kept holding back, and then it cost her in the end. How do you take a character seriously when they have the opportunity to freaking destroy somebody who did something so personal to them like that, and yet they still can't do it. Like, it took a little while for her to recover after that, too. Billy Gunn in 99. Went, breaks up with <laughs> New Age Outlaws, wins King of the Ring, but then there was that promo that really started the downfall on Billy Gunn because of The Rock not taking him seriously at all. He loses the Kiss My Ass match to The Rock at SummerSlam. Like, like, everything was just freaking... Like, his booking was just completely undone. Like, a few months after winning King of the Ring, he's back to teaming with Road Dog. Now, not to discredit Billy Gunn, like, he's not the best on the mic, but, like, he was really good in the ring, but it's like, he fell so fast. Like, break up from New Age Outlaws, King of the Ring, and all of a sudden, The Rock's not taking him seriously. He had the promo on heat, and next thing you know, he's just back to forming the New Age Outlaws. Like, that promo that The Rock did really did not do him any favors. It doesn't matter what your name is! Like, ugh. Did it. Another little example I can give, 2017 as well, for Baron Corbin. He went from Money in the Bank to losing the match, his cashing match very quickly with just a brief roll-up by Jinder Mahal. And next thing you know, like, they're constantly bringing up, oh, you lost your briefcase. Even right at SummerSlam, people chanting, where's your briefcase? It's like, yeah, shortly after that, he became U.S. champion, but, like... That really did not help him. It was like, when you have the crowd laughing at him saying, where's your briefcase? And bring up the fact that he quickly lost his cash-in match like that. Not a good thing. I believe, if members serve me right, that's because of backstage heat because he had that whole thing about the dispute with the doctor about concussions and all that. If members serve me right, that caused him to fall out of favor with the officials backstage. So, down he goes. Uh, one example I don't have right now, but I just remembered, Rob Conway. I believe, if members serve me right, I believe Bob Holly, a.k.a. Arco Holly, mentioned this in his book, saying that he was all buff and everything, like the con man, even though his entrance music was god-awful. After he had to get off, like, steroids, allegedly, like, around the time because of the drug scandal, next thing you know, he didn't look at the way he did, he fell out of favors with management, next thing you know, he just started losing a whole shit of a lot, before he eventually lost the match on TV to Jeff Hardy, saying if he loses the match, he'll quit, and then Vince is like, Oh, Rob Conway, I'm not gonna let you quit! Because Rob Conway, you're fired. So, like, he really fell out of favor because I think, like, his body changed a little bit because, like, it's it just a complete downfall there for him, too. Treat seriously to just losing streak. Another big one that, thankfully, I still have written down, Zack Ryder. This is a primary example you can always remember. On the rise for trying to get himself over online back in 2011, crowd chanting, we want Ryder. Eventually, WWE caught notice. He became U.S. champion, and then right as 2012 hit, it all once again went downstairs. Because next thing you know, he loses the U.S. championship to Jack Swagger, does not get his rematch, constantly getting his ass kicked by Kane. 
Eve mentions that she completely used him, yet he still wants her anyway, and then she kicks him in the nuts after taking the one being being the one to take the pinfall. The Team Teddy versus Team Johnny Tag Team match at WrestleMania. It's like it was never the same for him. It's like yeah, he like I think he had one or two things that year that people may remember. I think there was like some kind of Great American Bash special on SmackDown, but really he did nothing of significance for a while. Like. His Intercontinental Championship reign only lasted a day when he won at WrestleMania 32 and lost the next night to The Miz. And that tag run that he had with Kerr Hawkins to help end Kerr Hawkins' like under, or losing streak. But really, like 2012 was just a detriment to him. Just losing U.S. title, constantly getting his ass kicked by Kane. Like, everywhere he went. Eve pretty much using him and he's completely oblivious to him. Oblivious to her actions. Like, come on. Uh, let's see. I got two more examples. Mike Kanellis, a.k.a. Mike Bennett, came to WWE in the main roster in 2017. The whole power of love thing with Maria. And right off the bat, he's going after Sami Zayn. And his first pay-per-view match, I believe, was Money in the Bank 2017. And usually a wrestler, debuting wrestler's first pay-per-view match can be like a big, like, kind of like an impact. Like their opportunity to show, like, to the fans, like, hey, is this person going to be a big deal or not? And he loses. He loses his pay-per-view debut to Sami Zayn. And I believe it was because, like, WWE was not impressed by his physical shape. I know he improved as time went on in his WWE run, but I think that they were were not impressed by his physical appearance, like, in terms of his body or anything by that point, and they just completely fell off favor with him. Then you look fast-forward to 2019, they did even worse! Because they did the whole thing about Maria saying she's pregnant and just completely demasculated him. Saying that, like, he's not man enough to get her pregnant and saying, like, he can't even mop the floor or anything. Like, verbally degrading him over and over. And I believe this was because Maria was announced to officials that she was pregnant as they re-signed. They didn't tell them. So they took it out on Mike Nels, because then all of a sudden, like like I said, Maria's just constantly talking down to him. You're not a man. I cannot believe you're even the father of my child. I'll go to Becky next time I want to get pregnant, because she'll have the balls to knock me up or some shit like that. It was just like, you're getting degraded verbally by your wife over and over, and you're not even fighting back. You're just taking her abuse over and over and being booked as a loser. I believe Corey Graves even mentioned it on commentary. Like, even just laughing and being like, what a loser. So, like, even when the commentary is making a verbal statement to show that you should not care about him, that really affect him. Because who's going to take a guy seriously when he's just being put into that situation? Uh, one other example I have, Rusev. Now, this it was going on for, like, the last few years of his career in WWE from 2017 to 2020. I believe the first bit for why he started losing was simply because he got a haircut against their permission. And WWE was not happy if you want an example i believe i believe it was fastlane 2017 he got destroyed by the big show like even look at that finish he was practically passed out and down in the corner big show slowly and still successfully delivered the knockout punch to rusev who was just slumped there in the corner despite like he didn't even get much offense just like ah then a weak wmd and that was it to defeat rusev Next, you know, like, he's not doing much of significance. I know there was heat because of the whole thing about him. Like, they're breaking kayfabe with Lana and everything with the engagement. But then again, that was 2015. But it's like, that thing with getting a haircut to where they're making him lose. 
I can't remember anything else he did in 2017. I know, like, there was rumors that he was trying to quit WWE before WrestleMania 34, so they tried to make it up to him for booking him in the main event or the Fatal 4-Way for the US title, and yet he was the one to take the pinfall. And the next thing you know, they're doing the whole thing where Lana and Lashley are just making out and everything and just constantly verbally talking down Rusev. Even though, I think that's a little iffy, though, because fans were still behind Rusev this whole time. But it's like, he was just getting verbally talked down to by his own wife. Like, saying that all he wanted was sex. And all that other shit. And like, just getting destroyed by Lashley at every turn. And then they just freaking make out on top of his knocked out body. So it's like, you look at all these examples. These are like the best examples I can give for what are actual burials. A wrestler you like losing just a match on Raw is not a burial. Alright? It takes more than just one loss to declare that you're getting knocked down the card. It takes more booking decisions than that. It takes, like, constant losing squash matches, losing matches over and over, having a terrible gimmick or anything, and storylines. Or another quick example I could give. Cesaro, 2013, he went from U.S. champion, losing the title to Kofi, and I mentioned that in the previous episode of Wrestling vs. World Podcast, and then he's doing that stupid yodeling gimmick. The point where people didn't like it. It was like, why are they doing this with him? Like, yo, yo, Like, I get it, he's Swiss, but not everybody, like, freaking yodeling at the top of him, the Swiss Alps. Like, that didn't do him any favors. Next thing you know, he's then teaming with Jack Swagger's Real Americans. Just like, or even 2014. Quick, other quick example before I wrap it up. He goes from winning the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal and being a Paul Heyman guy to just abruptly being like, oh, I'm no longer a Paul Heyman guy. And then he's just losing again for the rest of the year because it seemed like company just lost faith in him. Like, an easy example. He had a two out of three uh, triple threat elimination match on SmackDown against Ziggler and Tyson Kidd for the U- or Intercontinental title. Even though he was performing very well in the match, he was the first one eliminated. Like, him as a singles guy never really got booked properly before this. So... Look at these examples, folks, and think to yourselves, based on the definition and the examples I gave, the next time you cry burial just because a wrestler you like lost any match, think to yourself, is this really a burial? Are they constantly losing every match? Are they constantly losing squash matches? Are they being humiliated? Do you care less about them? Like, look at these things. Burial means they are making sure you care less about this wrestler. If they are not looking bad in your eyes in terms of, like, of long-term booking or anything, to the point where you care less about them, saying, oh, I don't care about them anymore, then it's not a burial. All right? Y'all need to learn what burial is instead of just throwing that word around like it's nothing. It is honestly ridiculous how many times I will go on social media and see people crying to term burial for any reason possible. From now on, if I see these people... Pointlessly crying burial. I'm going to take a screenshot of that freaking page on Wikipedia and post that as replies on social media to show people saying, hey, based on this definition, is what you're crying for burial really fit this description? Because chances are, they're not. You're just throwing that word around for nothing to the point where it's starting to lose its meaning. So anyway, let me know what you guys thought in the comment section below. Hopefully this becomes a bit... (laughs) I would say this is a public service announcement or maybe education for some people, but then again, I'm sure people will actually think, actually know what burial is, and actually know how to use that proper term. But hopefully this is going to be a bit of an instructional thing for people to understand what burials actually are. 
it's not hap it's not a burial if somebody you like just loses a random match out of nowhere just because you're petty that they're not in the main event because not everybody is a main event talent so let me know you guys still in the comment section below if you enjoyed this episode leave a like subscribe with that bell on for notifications and i'll catch you guys later thanks for watching and listening everybody like comment subscribe peace out folks and yeah it could snap that time